So with much anticipation, we've been waiting for our friends, our brothers and sisters, the Smith family who are here with us, all the way from Zimbabwe, although they've taken a roundabout route to get to Redmond. And the last few weeks, they've been visiting friends and family and churches. So we're excited to hear what God has done and is doing. So come on up, Jeff and Renee Smith. Would you give them a hand? Welcome them as they come. You're going to have to flip those mics on. There's one switch. It goes up. Are you going to stand or are you going to sit? What's going on? We have too much to say, so we need notes. We do have too much to say. And so with that, following the service today, uh, the Greg and Kathleen Best, who are not here, they're actually prepping soup right now. They said, come on over to our house for anyone that wants a, a soup lunch. I can get you that address if you need. They're living up, they live up in Trilogy. So we'll gather there because this will have to be to be continued and there's more to, more to say. That's one way. And the next Saturday night, we'll be hosting a meal here, 5 to 7 p.m. Please RSVP for that so we have a head count. You can do, do that through the, um, Eventbrite. And there's a, I think there's a link in the bulletin or online or on our newsletter. That's next Saturday, 5 to 7. So we do have two follow-ups to this because this will be just a snapshot. If I said, what has God done? Well, that would be, that, and then I can sit down probably. But first, let me introduce to you, for those that don't know, Jeff and Renee. I met Jeff about two years ago, and I think it was an answer to prayer. One of my prayers was, God, give us a direct, tangible link to the ends of the earth. As your church here, we have a heartbeat for the mission of God to the ends of the earth, and we had a lot of uh, partners out there, and as Alliance Church, we support 700 missionaries that serve all over the world, but we were praying for a direct link that we could we could know, raise up, and send out. And so I met Jeff and then Renee, and it felt like an instant sync. I often said, Jeff, we grew up together, didn't we? And I'm just having amnesia on all of the memories. It feels, it felt like that kind of a bond and a relationship from the beginning. I know they bonded with many of you. Uh, we, we, along with Valley Church, Valley Church is really the reason you were, came up here. Jeff's dad was helping revitalize Valley Church in, in the May Valley area of Renton. And so that's really how we met. And so with Valley Church, Union Hill and Holly Park in the Rainier Valley, all Alliance churches, we have sent out, we sent out, we commissioned, we blessed, we affirmed your call to Zimbabwe. God said to them, sell all you have and give to the poor. And that began this journey that ended in Zimbabwe. That's the thumbnail version. Many, many know so much more. Some know nothing. So that's just a little bit, because I'm sure we can't get into that backstory. We're really talking about the last 16, 17 months since August 2018 when they got on a plane and left for Harare, and now they are back. And I'm going to get coffee. You take it from there. Actually, I don't want you to go. I want you to <clears throat> give our family the very best Christmas news that there is. I mean, we should start there. Okay. Since it was your idea. Well, my idea. Which, which one? <laughs> the one that started when you went to council. Okay, so when I, at council this last summer, this is the Alliance kind of every other year national assembly, about 2,000 pastors and leaders gathered in Orlando this May, and I had one one mission really when I was there, like I got to connect with Bill Dunham, who's head of Marketplace Ministries, and see if we can make a stronger link between the Smith family and the Alliance family. 
these guys grew up Alliance. Dad, it was Alliance church planter Jeff's whole life. And, and so they, they, they have a very dear place in their heart for the Alliance family. And yet there wasn't a direct link to Zimbabwe. That's some, it just wasn't a targeted field or area. Marketplace Ministries really supports the call, individual call of, of any business professionals to go into a region and often it's uh, educational or medical in nature and they come alongside the church. But they don't need to raise support often because they're starting businesses or they can raise some support as they go and it's not funded fully by the alliance. So that felt like, gosh, if we could just make this connection because God was opening up doors to start this Haduma project, which was more in line with Marketplace than when you originally went to support the church. And God just, short, short story, God orchestrated it absolutely perfectly. Bill, I, I just ca- caught him. Uh, in passing, basically, and shared a little snapshot elevator pitch, and he said, i got to get in touch with this couple. And that really started the conversation, and as of last week, they met in Colorado Springs, had an interview, and were wholeheartedly adopted into the Alliance family as Alliance missionaries serving with Marketplace. So... That is great news. That is really great news. You know, like Ben said, I was literally born in an Alliance pew. Actually, I think my dad <laughs> became an Alliance pastor six months after I was born. So for 40-ish years now, I've been uh, a son of the Alliance. And um, Zimbabwe was commissioned by Alliance churches and birthed out of the Alliance movement. And now it feels really good to come home officially to the Alliance. So um, it's official. Welcome. Thanks. Good yeah. to be here. We knew it was just a matter of timing. I'm glad it happened sooner than later. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so catch us up, though, on the other 16 months of this journey, which has changed direction and form a number of times. No problem. Let, let me let me start with the uh, where I want our hearts to be in the Scripture a little bit, where my heart is. I have one goal for reading the scripture, which I have not successfully completed yet, but usually this makes me cry. So uh, I hope to make it through this and today without crying, but being home is really raw, and man, it feels so good. It's not crying because I'm sad, it's crying because it's so good to be home. But let me read to you something that's kind of Jeff-like. Um, This is Philippians 2, and it's not going to appear on the screen. And you don't have to look it up in your Bibles, because I'm going to read the message version. Um, Because it kind of suits the farmer, yaller, boot wearer in me. So just hear Paul's words in jail towards the end of his life, um, writing this, which means a lot to me at the moment, especially the Christmas moment. Eugene Peterson interprets it this way. If you've gotten anything out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of the Spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor. Agree with each other. Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet-talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. Think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. He had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. Not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave. Became human. Having become human, he stayed human. 
It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life that died a selfless, obedient death, at the, and the worst kind of death at that, a crucifixion. Because of that obedience, God lifted him high and honored him far beyond anyone or anything ever, so that all created beings in heaven and on earth, even those long ago dead and buried, would bow in worship before this Jesus Christ and call out in praise that he is the master of all, to the glorious honor of God the Father. What I'm getting at, friends, is that you should simply keep on doing what you have done from the beginning. When I was living among you, you lived in responsive obedience. Now that I'm separated from you, keep it up. Better yet, redouble your efforts. Be energetic in your life of salvation, reverent and sensitive before God. That energy is God's energy, an energy deep within you. God himself, willing and working, have what will give him the most pleasure. Father, I commit those words to our ears, to our hearts. Please empower us. Give us the strength and the gift to reflect you only. This story is not the story of the Smith family. We're proud to be part of it. We're honored to be part of it. It is our life's work as we redouble our efforts. But may it all be Holy be your story. And may all the glory go to you. In your precious and holy name. Amen. Amen. So as Ben said, we left August of 2018. And we arrived to Harare, Zimbabwe, under a new government, post a military coup, with subsequent contested election results that brought violence into the streets. We probably the month or so after we arrived, we started language and culture study with our dear friend Tendai, who some of you maybe remember from our email updates. We really wanted her to come with us, but the U.S. government was not going to let that happen. We explored the country. We walked with elephants and lions. We tracked rhinos in the bush. We fished for the elusive tiger fish on one of the world's largest man-made um, dams that provides power for Zimbabwe sometimes. The family ziplined over the highest waterfall in Zimbabwe, which is the second highest in Africa. I took the pictures um, to document the wonderful um, adventure that we had that day. Unfortunately, our son Seamus is not here today. He's not feeling well. And since it's a long day, we left him home to rest. You'll see him in the pictures. You can't miss him. He's tall, probably a foot taller than when we left. Um, The handsome, blonde-haired, 13-year-old boy that you see. He finished up primary school. And we'll join Layla um, at secondary high school when we return to Zimbabwe. He has been enjoying playing rugby. Um, he's taken up cricket a little bit. Um, the most boring game ever. Um, but he's had a really fun time. He's made some good friends. And Layla um, is ready to start school. She did three languages um, part of last year. She was learning Greek, French, and Shona, which is the native um, Zimbabwean language. She'll carry on with French throughout the rest of um, her high school years. Um, She also had enjoyed doing world scholars and debate. Um, I don't know which one of those she's keeping up with, but not both of them. We're super proud of them. They have adjusted and adapted well um, and grown a lot since we left. And to earn extra mom points, I won't talk anymore about them. (laughs) We have seen violence fill the streets. Dozens of people abducted and beaten 
Human rights workers die in prison and acquaintances of ours taken by the police. Through all of this, our family has um, remained safe and we really haven't had much to worry about and we're very thankful for that. We've seen the local currency hyperinflate faster than Venezuela in the last six months. For an example, when we arrived, we were seeing bread for probably a dollar, a Zimbabwean dollar, a loaf. When we left the end of November, it was over $15 a loaf. Fuel was over $4 a liter when we arrived. When we left, it was 17 to 19 Zimbabwean dollars um, a liter. I really don't know how a lot of Zimbabweans are making it. Their pay doesn't increase. They don't have the strong U.S. dollar that we do that never loses value. So it's really hard to watch all that. Um, friends, and you just know it's happening all around you. That's been difficult. We've seen the government shut off the Internet to... In- prevent the spread of information during demonstrations and protests, like literally turn the entire internet off. Um, Our parents asked them what they thought about that. Um, We've seen protesters march against the United States in the streets of the Capitol to the slogan, remove evil, illegal, racist sanctions. We live in a country where young girls are born into impoverished uh, families. They're married off young for the bride price, sometimes 14-ish or younger. Um, And there's no chance that they can go to school, that they can compete at school. Um, A father can think to himself, my family's been hungry for a long time. My daughter is becoming of um, time to get married and have babies. That's what they do. So if you sell your daughter and get the bride price, you can feed your family for a couple more years, maybe. So um, it's difficult. Our hearts are crushed to even think that parents have to make that decision or even think about that, that they can't afford to keep their daughter. We've seen peoples with master's degrees be unemployed for months and years at a time. We've seen the water cut off for the entire city because they can't afford the chemicals to treat it, which um, we've also seen um, repeated outbreaks of cholera. Some Those who have a working well on their property um, will sometimes share or sell water to help um, pay their electricity bill. There are communal water uh, wells, they call them boreholes, around. And people will line up. Um, our friends sometimes get up at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning to try to go gather water. Because um, even though they live in the capital city um, of the country, they don't have um, plumbing where they live. We've known women that spend most of their days fetching water for their families and gathering firewood. We've come to know that poverty and hopelessness isn't faceless. It isn't far off, and it isn't because of inferior intellect, lack of ambition, or desire. It's systemic, it's structural, and it is changeable. We've loved hard and fast since we arrived in Zimbabwe, and we've made some great friends, both black and white Zimbabweans, who are loving, caring, supportive, who are keeping track of our home now, um, taking care of our vehicles for us, um, and carrying on with our Saturday barbecue um, with each other. Zimbabwe, in Zimbabwe, like many other countries, relationship takes a higher priority over money or power. And our relationships have paved the way for us in many ways. And I know that some of you know that, um, that we've shared that a lot. We've taken several opportunities to travel to different contexts and purposely asked Zimbabweans to teach us about their lives, their country, their hopes, their dreams. We have been to rural. We have been to urban. We have been to peri-urban, think high density. And each of them have different hopes and goals for their lives. In a previous life, I was an ER nurse um, in Houston, in the city. 
and that previous life, just like our funding savior does, continually is redeemed. We hosted two doctors who are friends of mine from Houston. Um, they were the first missions trip, which is funny because one of them has no faith tradition. The other is an Orthodox Jew who came on a mission trip with us. So um, I don't mean funny, funny, I mean funny, <laughs> ironic. Anyway, what they came to do is to do something that's a little tangent to what Haduma is working on, but Haduma is all areas of life. And what they discovered is the biggest impact they can make in partnership with rural clinics is in maternal care. So they're working on an appropriate scale technology to use a portable probe on your smartphone to pre-screen pregnant women. So most Zimbabwe is young. 50% of Zimbabwe is younger than 25 years old, and 60% of that younger generation is female. So Zimbabwe is young and female. And many, 35%, deliver their first child before they're 18 years old. So we're talking about young young pregnant women being screened who don't have access to health care. So they are working with being able to portably help them decipher if they could give birth at home, if they have to go to a clinic, or if they need to go to some place where they could have a C-section um, to directly impact the mortality and morbidity rate. Um, they're also working on trying to connect telemedicine via WhatsApp. WhatsApp is ubiquitous all over the rest of the world. So to be able to connect that doctor who looks at that ultrasound, to be able to talk all the way through that chain to do that. But that's something I'm working on in our spare, spare time. We've also been facilitating 3DM, or three-dimensional movements, and it's um, an intentional discipleship course kind of created by Mike Breen that basically huddles people together to contextualize the gospel. And basically what we talk about is three primary covenants that impact all of area of life, right? The first covenant is the up covenant, up with the Father, the second covenant is the in covenant, the covenant of the church and Jesus as Lord of that church. I could talk about that probably for the next couple hours, but what does it look like when Jesus is the Lord of our church? And then out, and there's no such thing as all of those other covenants without out onto mission together. So this is how we intentionally replicate and multiply the gospel from one to the other is engaging in all three up, in, and out with each other, with the church, and with the Father as we make disciples who then make other disciples. So if you follow along in our emails, you've read about our Saturday barbecue. If you keep in contact with us, we talk about it all the time. Mm-hmm. It's become a really a fun thing that we've done. When we first started doing this, of course it was Jeffrey's idea, let's invite a bunch of people and feed them lunch, and we'll all smoke um, chickens and stuff. Um, our Texas churches really get this, but I know some of you are really about food and you love smoked meat. So we actually found a Zimbabwean company 
to make a smoker that was similar to the ones that we use in Texas. Jeffrey sent them a picture, um, and he's like, can you make this? They make um, like grill stands, they call bry stands in Zimbabwe, which they do often, just charcoal, nothing fancy, no lid or anything. And so they were like, yeah, we can do that. Give us a couple weeks, pay a deposit. So we did this, and we waited, and we waited. And they actually did a really good job. Um, there's a few little tweaks that would be nice, but Jeffrey makes it work because he's a professional now. And our Zimbabwean friends love it. And it started with Jeffrey just inviting like all the Zimbabweans on his WhatsApp contact. And I would be like, how many people are coming? How much salad and sides and drinks and ice do I need to get? Well, it started out with a few people here and there. And the last time we were up to like 30 people, I believe. So we have all kinds of people. The former mayor comes. Um, our pastor friend comes. The guy at the gym comes. Um, so it's a really fun time. Tendai comes. So it turns into this uh, family gathering, which people call it now, because we've all become so close. And we get the question often, like, why are you in Zimbabwe? Why did you come here? What are you thinking? So we have to answer that question in all different kinds of contexts. So Saturday barbecue is a way for us to really share more about why we're here in the story of how we got there and what God has been doing. Um, so it's a really great natural way for us to share that. And if you shared meals with people, whether you know them or you don't know them, and as you're being encouraged to this next year, you can solve a lot of problems if you share a meal with people, whether you know them personally or you're just getting to know them. So take advantage of those opportunities. It's a really great time to learn more about people and more about yourself as well. Um, so we keep doing that, and we're glad that they're uh, carrying it on to some degree while we're gone, although they say it's not the same. But this we're is, proud of them. This is the start of our missional community. So this is the this is the disciples who make other disciples are now barbecuing and are going to make other barbecues in preparation for farms that make other farms. So yeah. this is how we are stepping this up. Renee and I use intentionally barbecue as evangelism, not like the Roman road evangelism, but we live a life that people ask us everywhere we go, why would you do that? And that would be my greatest encouragement of not why would you make barbecue. They at Zimbabwe asked us, why would you come to Zimbabwe? You can go, you guys can go anywhere you want in the world. Why would you sell everything and move to Zimbabwe? That is an evangelistic prompt, right? Like, <laughs> tell me the gospel of, because that's why we go, right? And even when we live here, People say, why would you sell everything you have and give it to the poor? Um, this is just a manifestation of our life that prompts a why. Do what you do. We just do it around food because then you have longer than a three-minute conversation and everybody eats. So we sit down, we hang out. They say, why would you do what you do? So as you eat with others, be prepared to add, be prepared to live a life that prompts a why. And then a response to, why did you do that? Um, that's barbecue. And it's the ways of Jesus. Yeah, I didn't invent it. You know, I don't mean to take credit for that. <laughs> I read it in this book, and, which I highly recommend we all read this book and how, then do it. How freeing for some that say, I, I don't even know how to be an evangelist or how to speak the gospel or get my mind around that with people that don't know it. Well, actually watching the ways of Jesus and being encouraged to simply open up space, come around a table, and eat together is the ways of Jesus. You can do it. You so, can do it. You'll, you'll figure it out mm -hmm. just by doing that. So. And, you know, part of barbecue is we didn't, uh, we didn't do something African, right? Um, 
be yourself because who you are was created by him to be used. So sure, we do our best to not offend and to fit in culturally, but we also know that he created us wearing boots and barbecuing from Texas for a reason. Mm-hmm. So all we did was be who we are and who we are is disciple and follower of Jesus. Amen. So a little bit onto this, we need to talk about this. Um, what you sent us to Zimbabwe to do, we had a problem. And the problem was what we were sent to Zimbabwe to do was to restart a rural mission station. And a rural mission station is old school downtown rural Africa that had a school, a clinic, um, and a church usually all put together. However, what we found out once we got there is it was also an icon of a era gone by. And that icon was a colonizer era. So while we could rebuild that and try to repurpose it, it would be a constant reminder of deep hurt and pain of where Zimbabwe was. And what Zimbabweans taught us as we became teachable and said, well, tell us what you think, they said, you can do that, but... That's not where Zimbabwe is going. It may be uh, a reminder of where we've been, but not necessarily a good reminder. So my advice to you would be don't do that. So Renee and I jumped back real quick from that, like a touching a hot stove, and said, we didn't know that. Forgive us for being presumptive before we came that that is exactly what you wanted. Teach us. And primarily where we learned these lessons was barbecue. So as they were asking us why, we would say, so what? What should we do? Now what? And what came out was even, uh, what came out was a Jesus-sized, Jesus-sized vision that really only the church can fill. And, um, you know, I should preface barbecue isn't for Christians. Barbecue is just for people. So what came out of it was all walks of life saying, think about something like this. Um, it was painful to sell everything you have, go to Zimbabwe, think you're on a track to do something, and only to get there and be told, that's probably not a good idea. I mean, we had this moment that lasted more than a moment of looking at each other saying, what did we just do? Um, however, um, what we learned is that the Church of Jesus Christ has all the components that not just Zim, but the world is looking for to lead with love, justice, and dignity. And I had this vision, and the vision was Haduma. And I did what I always do when things like this come up. First, you test it with your wife. And if it passes that test, then you test it with the church. And if it passes that test, you test it with your community. And if it passes that test, it's a thing. So Haduma is this. Um, Haduma is Christ redeeming all of that Texas barbecue, farmer, ER nurse, church planter, entrepreneur, business person in all of us. He's re- taken all that mix, and we are starting a farm in the capital city, that makes other farms by disciples that make other disciples. We are creating Zimbabwean missionaries instead of Zimbabwean pastors to take a sustainable farm, to multiply it 
with a church made by disciples that multiplies itself. Aduma is a plan for multiplication right from the get-go. That's how we measure success. Is it multiplying? And that's a, something I learned as a farmer through and through. Everything God ever made multiplies, including his church. Aduma is actually a plan that the poor gave me instead of a plan for us making a plan for the poor. So Haduma, yes, will be involved in production, but more importantly, it's involved in adding value to agricultural products. And then each hub that's managed by disciples will aggregate their value-added products back together, giving them real buy-in for the poor who are already talented growers who just have no access to the market anywhere. And most importantly, who gets to run all that? Disciples who are making other disciples with a transferable language of the covenant kingdom. Clarify, Zimbabweans. Zimbabweans. I mean, not, not more right. Western missionaries coming in. Right. Good. Thank you for the clarification. Right. Um, one of the most attractive things about this is this comes with multi, multi, innovative multiplication also comes with an exit strategy. It, this means that Renee and I and the kids won't have to be there forever. What will happen next? Well, we've already been invited to Zambia, Malawi, and Botswana saying, can you bring Haduma there? So our work won't be done, but uh, the church's job is to get this rolling and then to trust the church that develops in Zimbabwe. So the church will run this forever, um, just in a new way. Every Zimbabwean is involved in agriculture in some way. Uh, most of them are subsistence farmers working on a small or communal plot, Few are commercial farmers, but everybody is real close to agriculture, which is why, also in this book somewhere, is a whole lot of the kingdom of heaven is like, or stories or parables of Jesus and his disciples using agriculture as a teaching model. This is a really good fit for Renee and I, and it's also one that's been really gathering steam around it. Can you paint a picture of that farm? You say farm, and mm-hmm. I bet there's a hundred different thoughts. Okay. Paint a picture of what that could look like, because that's a beautiful picture. All right. So if you, in your mind's eye, or close your eye, and you picture Iowa with miles and miles and miles of corn, all in straight rows by guided GPS tractors, it is the opposite of that. <laughs> it is... Um, it's a, it is an, is a replication of our farm, berry farm in Texas. And the berry farm in Texas was multi-layered animal and perennial agriculture. So imagine blackberries, blueberries, mangoes, and pecans with electric fencing that puts sheep in between the margins, chickens in between the trees to fertilize them, rabbits in the back, bees in the middle, an airport hangar in the middle to take all of those products and turn blackberries into blackberry jam and pecans that you're taking them out of the shell and putting them in packages and on and on and on it goes, right? Like that is what we mean by farm, like where many different products are made, aggregated into raw product, into value-added product, and then sold directly from that farm. The farm includes restaurants, so they'll take those same products and cook them and sell them. And all of this makes... Dozens and dozens and dozens of jobs and multipliers all around it. That's what looks like when the church shows up and gets involved in the middle. Instead, the other options currently are 
big NGOs work there and businesses work. And what we found is that businesses leverage the poor and NGOs enable the system that keeps it going. And only the church can stand in the middle and pull those two pieces together and say, we could change the whole rules of the game by giving the poor a seat at the table. Now, that whole strategy is beautiful, but the thing that makes Renee and I and all of us want to be involved is who gets to create it and to propagate it? Disciples. Disciples of Jesus. Everywhere they show up should be good news being proclaimed, even when it comes to feeding the poor. I think that's important because I, when I heard that first described, I'm like, that's garden. I don't think far, you would say the same thing, but I, I think garden, and I think how we were created when God said, be fruitful, multiply. He created all the diversity in the original garden, and I see just that diversity and multiplication in and through Farm Hub. But I see a garden, and a working garden, and what a better spot to do discipleship as we are living between the gardens, the Garden of Eden, and that coming future garden that God is going to create for us to make that space his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So I wanted to make sure that we had that at least picture in mind as we're thinking about farm hub because I think it's beautiful. The population of Zimbabwe is around 16 to 17 million people. Over 75% of them live in the rural areas, so they live out in the bush. So the way that Huduma will help the poorest of the poor, those people living out in the rural areas, is being connected to the farm hub in Harare. And the multiplication will happen. Um, let's pretend we're driving from here to Bellingham. Um, we're driving on the major um, highway 5. I-5. Um, even when you don't see population, there are people living in the forest. Millions and thousands and hundreds of thousands of people are living out there. Those people, even though the drive to Bellingham, Bellingham is two and a half-ish hours, they can't afford the transportation into Harare to maybe sell the surplus that they made. Um, or when we teach them value addition to sell maybe the dried tomatoes or the tomato powder that we learned is a 14-time economic multiplier, and it's in everything all across the world. They can't get that to town because they can't afford the transportation. Um, but there will be a farm that will be multiplied to fit their village that matches what's grown there and the people that are there and the and economics that are there. Um, that's where the multiplication part comes in. I don't know if that makes sense. Zimbabwe is a small country, but you drive down the road and all, there's footpaths. There's little scotch cart paths that are pulled by wagons. Those people can't get to the town to where, where the people have the money to purchase and where those people will consume the things that they can grow and that they can make. Um, so we've started a company in Zimbabwe for Huduma through collaboration with local organizations, and we have been given prime real estate at no cost to us. We have been uh, invited to multiply the concept of Huduma with a partner. It's called ZACH. It stands for the Zimbabwean Association of Church Hospitals. And they have 86 to 100 locations throughout the country of Zimbabwe. They build these missions and these hospitals and clinics where there is the most population. They really try to not have people walk more than a certain amount of kilometers if they need health care, if they need to get to a doctor. Um, they're still working on that in parts of the country. But it comes with land. Um, it comes with the whole property. And it's not being utilized. The government doesn't have money to grow or the people or the manpower to grow food there for them. So they've invited us and said, do your farm hubs 
at these locations throughout the country, which is amazing. And we've also been approached before we left for some more um, deep collaborations with partners like Econet Wireless, who provides the um, cell data service, Nestle, and the Ministry of Special Economic Zones. And we've also been approved by the government um, to do Huduma. The faithfulness of the church to send us to Zim and the humility of church servants birthed this strategy to tackle evil in all of its unjust forms. The good news is that the church can do this. The great news, only the church can do this. And the amazing news, he promised to be with us as we do it. Uh, I don't view Haduma as um, likely or probable. We view it as unstoppable, quite frankly. Um, comes no surprise that when you send out apostles to the ends of the earth that what you discover is a Jesus-sized problem with a church-ready solution. The world is hopelessly broken. When he shows up, he not just only rescues, but he restores and comes to make all things new. Jesus didn't come. This is a lesson I learned from Doc. Uh, Doc Mungai Lanai is a former country director of the World Bank in Zimbabwe and one of the partners for Haduma. And he told me, as we were starting to talk about Haduma, he says, I'm not interested in any plans that just augment the symptoms of what's broken in Zimbabwe. He says, I'm only interested in things that change the rules of the game. He's like, you change the rules of the game and you change everything. So only attack that. Change the rules of the game. And when he first told me that, I said... And then he told me it again, and I said, hmm. And then he's like, listen to me, change the rules of the game. And it wasn't really until Advent hit that I began to actually feel that. Change the rules of the game. I mean, that's what's all through this book, right? Is um, a new covenant, change the rules of the game. Pick up your cross, change the rules of the game. I'm with you. I send you as the Father sent me. Change the rules of the game. We didn't go all the way to Africa to address a symptom, which would be noble enough um, to do that. But that's not what Jesus does when he shows up. So to be like Jesus means attack the rules. And if you're like me, when I say that, it's going mostly like, not over, but like around the sides of your head. So meditate on that. That... uh, what would it look like to be a part of a church that actually changes the rules? Not a program or not a tweak. What's the rule that needs to be changed? Haduma Farm Hub is the church mobilized through the Holy Spirit to change those rules and empowers the poorest of the world's poor to have a seat at the table, apply new techniques, accelerate small business, collaborate innovatively with each other, and most importantly, to make disciples, who make other disciples, who make other disciples. We're talking about creating a movement, mm. not just planting a church, digging a well, starting a farm. Mm. Um, in everything, in all things, without multiplication, we're in a season of decline. Um, the difference between replication and multiplication is one thing. It's innovation. So... We are not interested in replicating farms all across Zimbabwe. We're not interested in replicating disciples, quite frankly. We want to multiply them. And multiplying means trusting them to innovate in their context, in their communities, as the Spirit guides them. It won't look the same. 
even as we talk about multiplying here at home, right? As we talk about multiplying, if it is innovative to reach the people you are called and sent to reach, it will require that you innovate. Mm. It won't look like you. Zimbabwe doesn't look like me either. We're fortunate enough that we've made some connections with some organizations that are ready to assist us financially in scaling Huduma when we get to the multiplication part, when we get to the point where we need like $3 million. Um, there's people out there who are ready. They need to see the proof of concept first. Um, Zimbabwe talks about that in everything that they do. Show me it works. Um, so we need to do that with Huduma. So we know um, that this is possible. Um, and that it's unstoppable. Um, and we're looking forward to those um, partnerships in the future. But we need help from people who believe in us and who believe in this vision to bring Hub Zero, um, the first farm of its kind in Harare, in Zimbabwe, to life. Please help us change the rules of the game by investing in the kingdom. Affirm with us that this is just and holy and blessed and soaked in joy. Please do that with your continued prayers. We know that you guys pray for us so faithful and faithfully, and we are ever grateful for that, um, as well as your encouragement, and also with your advocacy in your own networks. Specifically, in real numbers, it'll take $300,000 to launch Hub Zero. And that sounds like a lot, but the, we have already been offered, when our ask gets between $3 million and $20 million, we've already been said, we've already been offered that money. So that money is to scale it. So if we do it once, or actually if we do it twice, we did it once in Texas. If we do it once in Africa, when we get access to those, we have access to the other hundred farms, when we're ready to implement that, that money is already there. So we, this project needs $300,000 to unlock $20 million in a hundred other farms and to create the movement of disciple making all over Africa. So if I do some math here, that's like seeding something that could turn into a hundred fold. I'm just saying. There's a reason we have a heart to, he multiplies it, right? We, we may only have that one seed and we're faithful to sow it, but he's already promised essentially in this way through a financial support to multiply this a hundred fold. Now we, we're not as concerned with the multiplication of Farm hubs, garden spaces, but life, people, restoration, wholeness, healing, all that can come through this. So it just so fits with this heartbeat. And as they've gone these last 16 months, I've gotten more and more excited. I believed in you and I knew God brought us together, but about this connection as we're on a similar journey of using greenhouse-like language and harvest language and every field that we're already planted in and then to the ends of the earth. So to see our arm reaching into Zimbabwe through prayers and through support for multiplication is just awesome and radical. So I can easily champion that, call people to give sacrificially to that. We have like two minutes in this context. What are your, what's your final two-minute encouragement call story Okay, the two minute, the, the ten peso version. <laughs> um, those of you that know us and have been following along know that when we said we had to walk away from the 
first opportunity and pivot towards Hiduma, which we now know in retrospect is soaked in him because he has provided and opened all of these things to, to make this possible. It was scary when we first did it, but we've been living on 30-day work permits, basically holiday permits since April. So every 30 days, um, we are not guaranteed we can stay another day. We have acted like um, this was never going to come to an end. So the government says, you have 30 days to wrap up and leave the country. And we say, thank you very much, sir. And then we go barbecue our hearts out <laughs> and teach 3DM and talk about multiplying Haduma and work out with Nestle. What would it look like with a partnership? We do these things. And the day comes or the day before we have to leave, we go back and say, can we stay another 30? And they say, okay, another 30, but this is the last one. Well, this has been going on now for eight or nine months. We have now come to the end of those permits. Ours officially expired on December 7th, as we've gone through many hoops to be able to stay. Um, now we don't have permission to stay at all, not because the government is opposed to this plan. They're very, very much for it. Um, but we are being blocked at immigration. So we are going back. My family is going back as tourists to see this through. So we believe that he can, we know and believe that he can do whatever he wants to do and that his thumbprint is all over this. So if it requires more of us, then we will give that more. You guys have heard me say and write and tweet um, our journey enough that we have been all in when we sold the farm and gave everything to the poor. And I will confess to you today, that was true as far as I knew it. Um, but the honest truth is, it was really easy to give that first 10%. Now, as my family's here with just a suitcase and a carry-on bag, with all the things we own in the whole world left, it's really hard to give the last 10%. But here's the rub, right? That last 10%, as he talks to me in my head like a friend, do I think I could do better with that last 10% than giving it to him? Hmm. Of course, that's rhetorical. You're all supposed to say no. <laughs> right. So the first 10% seemed large in our economy, hmm. in my family's economy, but the last 10% is where we've been clinging just in case this Jesus thing doesn't work out, I could take that suitcase and start a brand new beautiful life. How ridiculous is this conversation, right? Well, this is where you find the Smith family. Um, this is where you are praying for us. This is where you are loving us, is don't give up. Don't give up, not on Zimbabwe. That's not it, right? Don't give up on this faith that we all hold so dear that you would cling to the last 10% over what he's going to do. Pray for us in earnest about that. Yeah. It is not easy. It is not easy. It looks foolish to the world. But this is how you create a why that is barbecue worthy. Yeah. This is where the rubber meets that road in my life. And I know you all have different journeys that have the same sorts of stories in it. Live them out. Tell them out. 
and then barbecue your way to tell them to other people. I'm going to pray for you now if I can. And join me in that. Bring up your heart prayers as I lean into these prayers. Lord, we thank you for what you have done. We thank you for the the amazing partnerships and connections that only you could have made. And even only a snapshot of those were told here, I know. And we also thank you for the hardship. We thank you for the trials. We thank you for the battle. It's drawn them closer to you. It's a more powerful testimony. When they were at the end of themselves again and again, Lord, you were all they needed. And you haven't answered every prayer. We've been praying for a full three years of permit to make this thing go and and all the resources to come with it. Lord, you alone open and close doors and direct by your spirit. And I thank you for Jeff and Renee and family being willing to walk this out in faith-filled risk, in community, with encouragement first from you and your word and who you are, Jesus, and what you have done. Thank you for this example of incarnating into a place, getting planted and rooted and loving and blessing and eating and drinking with people and sharing stories and sharing life. Thank you for this tangible model of a family following the ways of Jesus. Would you encourage us by that? Convict us. We're not all called to Zimbabwe, but our heart can go with the Smith family. And so do our prayers. And I pray that you would open our hearts to the fields you've already planted us into, that we would incarnate in the same way, live amongst, get planted, open up our doors, our tables, break bread together, and just share the love of Christ because you have given all to us. Thank you for that privilege. We are praying for you just to swing open that door. That's our desire, that Haduma would go and grow and multiply and be something that could transform poverty in cities, villages, even nations and a country or continent. You're, you have that big of a uh, multiplication heart, and so we want to join in with that, 30, 60, 100-fold vision. But only you can do that, Lord, not by effort or by might, but by your spirit, we pray. So do your work, even at this 11th hour, and we thank you that we get to be witness and participants as you lead us and as you call us. Bring your ongoing courage, faith, perseverance, endurance, most of all, your presence and your peace to rest upon this family. All for your glory and for our joy, we pray. Amen.